And we've now started to have executives, you know, kind of seek us out to get more involved in addition to their day-to-day -day responsibilities because they want to think differently. They want to be challenged. They want to understand, okay, status quo is this. What else is coming? How can I help shape what the future of this organization and ultimately industry looks like? Welcome to the Better Care Podcast, where we tell the stories of clinicians, healthcare leaders, and innovators who are improving the way clinicians work and deliver care. On today's episode, Evidence Care CEO Bo Bartholomew interviews Bill Sheehan, Chief Innovation Officer for MedStar Health, and Bo Wilkes, President of Ballad Ventures and Managing Director of Ballad Health Innovation Center. Bill and Bo share insightful detail about how their health systems are structured to invest in innovation and their approach to strategic planning, change management, and data-driven decision-making. There's also a surprise guest about halfway through the episode who offers her, hint, hint, perspective as well. So if you're responsible for making innovative decisions at a health system, this episode would be extremely valuable to hear from a group of successful executives that have made it a part of their organization's DNA. Enjoy this episode. Let's start with introductions. Sir, would you like yeah, to introduce happy yourself? Yeah, uh, Bo Wilkes, um, president of Ballad Ventures, managing director of Ballad Health Innovation. So Ballad Health is a $2 billion healthcare system in Northeast Tennessee, Southwest Virginia. And I have the, the privilege to really lead the transformational aspects of the organization. I have operational excellence, enterprise program management, innovation and ventures across the, the enterprise. But otherwise known as? Clem. Clem. Clem, we are so glad you're here today. Thank you, Samuel. <laughs> Appreciate that. So informal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, pleasure to be here. Bill Sheehan. I'm the uh, Chief Innovation Officer for, uh, for MedStar Health in Washington, D.C. in the Baltimore area. Uh, we're a 10 hospital system, about $8 billion in, in revenue. Uh, and our Innovation Institute has uh, a pretty broad uh, remit across the organization, including venture activities and, and some of our strategic partnership and uh, innovation partnership activities, which uh, is our relationship with Evidence Care. And uh, we also do a lot of innovative work across care delivery models across the health system, predictive analytics, AI, machine learning, those types of things. Uh, and then we operate a few things also. So we operate learning infrastructure across the organization, which is uh, uh, Cytel and Simulation Training and Education Lab, which I came in to lead 11 years ago. Um, and we also operate well-being and telehealth infrastructure for the system. Fantastic. Otherwise known as? William. Yes, William. William. We're glad to Clem and William. We're glad y'all are here this morning. Thank you, Pleasure Samuel. to be here. So uh, we're going to jump right into a handful of questions. Um, being in Nashville, you never know, though, that uh, we might have a guest come join us. Uh, so we'll we'll see if she's available All right. and uh, <laughs> see who pops up. So in the meantime, I want to hear a little bit about your personal backgrounds. William, will you mind telling us a little bit about this is the theme? We're just going to keep on going. We're, we're just going to run with it. Yeah. Run how, with did, it. how did you get into healthcare to begin with? Yeah, you know, it's a it's an interesting story. My uh, I grew up in upstate New York, uh, north of Albany, up towards the Adirondacks. Um, 
And, you know, my parents really instilled a, a kind of sense of community and, and being involved in our community in me. Uh, so when I was in high school, I, I joined uh, the local ambulance service as a junior uh, member, you know, riding on the ambulance, you know, when I turned 16. But even before that, just being involved in uh, some of the, the community health care delivery that is emergency medical services. Uh, when I turned 18, I became an EMT when I was legally able to and, uh, you know, continued to be involved through high school, uh, which was a lot of fun. That was really my entrance into it. And I had had a sense that I would want to get into healthcare, you know, from a relatively young age. That solidified it for me, really loved it, stayed in emergency medical services through college, uh, ended up in that uh, as a career for what I, I like to say was my first career uh, as a paramedic uh, in uh, Rochester, New York, so Western New York. And uh just really love taking care of people and that that kind of sense of uh, helping in people's you know greatest moment of need. So yeah, and part thrill seeker, part thrill seeker. I mean, you can't be you can't be in uh, public safety without being part thrill seeker. But you know, and I, I provided care in rural communities, which also was uh, kind of an extra thrill of being far from definitive healthcare delivery. But really enjoyed it. It was uh, it was a great introduction to healthcare, and I've I've stayed in it ever since. And do you, do you feel like in your job today, you're still chasing the thrill? I do. I think innovation is such a, is such an interesting part of the healthcare ecosystem, um, in a system like MedStar. Uh, so there's still that thrill of what's new and building next, right. And trying to find and, uh, solve the greatest challenges that we face as a, as a, you know, relatively good sized, uh, regional IDN. Uh, there's so many opportunities in healthcare, I think, to uh, help our patients, to help our caregivers, uh, to do this, this work better, uh, more efficiently with higher quality and safety. Um, and so that's the thrill that that is now. It's not yeah. it's not the lights and sirens, but it's uh, it's uh, honestly relatively equivalent to to kind of solve for the future. Absolutely, Clem, tell us a little bit about um, how did you get into healthcare to begin with? And I think you had some fun stops that led you into a career in healthcare. Yeah, so um, always thought that I had this idea that I wanted to be a physician. Uh, I'd say the good Lord had other plans, uh, so I had a little bit too much fun my first semester of college. Many of of us can relate to that. And and, and so that really kind of started to put some roadblocks up, and so ended up pursuing my master's in public health, healthcare administration concentration, um, to, to really try to prove that I was capable of getting into med school. Did fairly well on the MCAT, still didn't get in. And so um, took some time off and uh, had the privilege to work for ESPN for a while. Uh, spent quite a bit of time in NASCAR. Uh, so traveled 11 months out of the year, just just really having a blast. And, and ultimately, at the end of that contract, it came down to renegotiate another contract. And it was, do I want to do TV for the next five years or do I want to get back into healthcare? I'd always kind of wanted to play in healthcare because I felt like it was going to be the industry that changed the most during my lifetime. I wanted to be actively involved in it as opposed to passively sitting on the sidelines. I wanted to understand it, help it, you know, just really be there. And so uh, had the the opportunity to come back into um, what was Mountain States at the time that became Ballot Health. Grew up on the strategy side, spent some time in hospital operations thinking that I wanted to be a health system CEO. What I realized there was I really love strategy and building too much to maintain a hospital. Now, God bless every healthcare administrator that's out there because they have a very challenging job, very difficult job, especially in today's operating environment. But 
it was just not my cup of tea. It was hard for me to feel kind of inspired yeah. every day to get up. Had the fortune to come back in to be our CEO's chief of staff again, merge our uh, governance structure, and during that time, start to build our venture and innovation structure. That's really when I kind of found my calling. Every day is different, constantly looking at how we're going to um, disrupt what's going to be the future of ballot health and the industry as a whole, trying to take that, apply it to today's strategy so that we are not caught reacting, but that we're proactively changing to adjust to what the future holds. So um, I've been doing this now for about five years. I'll, I'll be honest, when I started Venture, didn't really have a good grasp of what it was. I had the fortune to be able to serve as an executive and resident for LRV Health. And it was during that time that I really kind of cut my teeth, if you will, kind of in the investment venture capital world um, and brought a lot of understanding and grasped that. And like I said, the last five years have just really been fantastic working with amazing companies like Evidence Care, um, but, but also, you know, wonderful partners like Bill and MedStar um, and, and various others across the system. So it's been fantastic. Great. So is it safe to say that you could have been the Kirk Herb Street of NASCAR? <clears throat> maybe not. I mean, uh, maybe not Kirk Herbstreet. Marty Smith would okay. probably okay. be. And now Marty and I like work together at the same time. Okay. And so okay. uh, I know Marty well, you know, Southwest Virginia boy right up the street. So I, maybe I could have been. Gotcha. I, I'm not as uh, as as uh, handsome as he is. I'm also not as articulate as he is. Uh, as you'll find out probably over the next hour, <laughs> but, uh, you know, soon to be demonstrated. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, uh, I think there's probably a lot, uh, with both of your backgrounds that plays a role, uh, in how it informs you, your decision-making and what's going on with health systems and transforming, uh, what I think most of the industry feels like has got to change the, the age old, brick and mortar, traditional hospital, uh, every week, every conference, what is it going to be? So tell us a little bit about what are maybe at least in the near term, call it the next three to five years, top initiatives, some things that um, might be a little more innovative um, and trying to push the toward the hospital of the future. Yeah, I think it's a <clears throat> such a good point, and, and certainly there is a lot of contemporary dialogue about how do we change as an industry, right, to to kind of meet the needs of our patients, and uh, also the non traditional competition that's coming in, um, you know, against uh, regular, you know, regular old community health systems like like ours, and and I think one of the things I would I would highlight here is that it's really important that there are some parts of what we are today that survive this transformation because we're who are in our communities taking care of uh, disadvantaged populations and, uh, you know, really there and present. And, and you know, these not-for-profit health systems like, like ours are, are the safety net for our communities. And so as disruption is coming in with, you know, for-profit and, and uh, non-traditional competition, we have to bear in mind that our communities still need the thing that we are right today. Uh, but we also know that we have to change, that we're inefficient in ways that, that we deliver care, that uh, there's a lot of opportunity to do better for, for our communities through um, investing in digital technologies and, and really thinking differently about where we deliver care uh, as a healthcare organization. And I think that's a big part of the future. 
it's uh, you you often hear about the shift from in hospital to ambulatory to home. I think that's real. Uh, I think there's a digital interstitium between all of those sites of care that's really important to think about to meet patients uh, where they they are and want to be uh, for the care delivery, particularly for lower complexity needs. Um, you know that can be handled uh, a little bit more either asynchronously or or via technology like telehealth. And, and I really do think that we need to think differently about the hospital space. And, and I think that's a lot of, again, contemporary dialogue. And what is the proper use for you know, tertiary, quaternary, truly needed inpatient care? Uh, and think about how we, we move uh, other aspects of care delivery into lower cost sites of care and quite honestly, more convenient sites of care uh, for our patients. So that's a big part of, of the, the work that we're doing now is rationalizing uh, you know, what has historically been a real estate heavy uh, investment in healthcare. Uh, inserting digital technologies for our efficiency in care delivery, but also most importantly for patients um, and access and management of chronic diseases and and better health, right? I mean, that's the the future. It's not just sick care, right? It's uh, it's better health, and how do we drive that for our patients? Yeah, I think as you think about what it what is the future hospital look like, you know, I think that's the the overarching question that I hear a lot of people asking is how do we maximize the core within health systems while transforming for the future? Majority of that work, it feels like is on maximizing the core. And so there's not a lot of of transformational thinking going. Now, that's also challenging because you have an industry with declining margins. And you have the non-traditional players coming in. And so there's just all this competition going on. And largely, health systems have been built on hospitals and hospital margins. That's all now changing. Furthermore, we're trying to drive further and further away from hospitals. And so there's all this complexity around that. So what is it? You know, I've heard recently, and I kind of like this idea that, you know, health systems have always been hospital-based companies that employ providers. They're now technology companies that employ providers. That shift, especially for a lot of the leadership who have been very similar and grown up in the same age over the last 50 years, is really hard. And I get that. I mean, it's hard for people that are still trying to understand more about what generative AI is, right? Like, and how it applies and where it doesn't and where it might work and support and supplement all of those things. Now, with all that being said and all the disruption that's trying to occur, On the other side, and I'll get to the question of where we're focusing, on the other side, within the fabric of rural America, two things are really paramount in the community. It's education and healthcare. And so as you start to take away healthcare, which in a lot of people's eyes is hospitals, it starts to pull away from a community. And people will fight tooth and nail to keep a hospital. They might not use it because they're gonna go somewhere else or they're gonna go to digital or whatever it may be more convenient what they perceive as higher quality or whatever, but they want that hospital because it's an institution within that community that has to be there along with education to be able to ensure that that community can survive and be given the opportunity to thrive if industry wants to come in. So it's almost like a symbol of the innate community they have. Yeah, and and so it's really hard because you look at health systems and you say, hey, we've got to get better, we've got to fix it. On one hand, I absolutely agree. On the other hand, while hospitals are inefficient, stripping them away and closing them also does detriment to your economic, the economy, to states, to everything. And I don't think it's being talked about enough. So where do do we spend a lot of our time and focus? It's really kind of that wraparound. Like, 
Uh, we spend a lot of time in digital care and workforce. And so I had a conversation yesterday and it was like, well, what in workforce are you actually trying to solve? And I think it's in essence, the question was like, how do I get more nurses or how do I basically fill that gap? And it's not that you can get more, but the nurses you have have to practice at the top of your license. And what are the bottom things you can take away? So the administrative function, you know, the the follow up wraparound digital that digital can serve in, you know, a nurse can be sitting in D.C. that's serving somebody in, you know, East Tennessee, uh, that type of mentality. And so it's it's building that infrastructure. Now, on top of that is just how hospital systems are leveraged right now. I think it's also a challenge for them to be able to make that commitment and step out there to ultimately come up um, and build out that digital infrastructure. So it, it's really navigating a lot of that within the complexities of traditional healthcare and um, making sure that teams feel supported, that we build pro formas and business plans and ultimately pilots that we can test out and execute on quickly. And if they fail, let's learn and pivot or move away from. But if they are successful, how do we quickly scale across the organization? So that's on the innovation side. On the venture side, it's, you know, how do we where we really like things, how do we basically start to diversify our revenue stream through some investments, um, but also thinking about revenue diversification and, and non-traditional growth beyond what we've historically done. The question that comes to my mind is you've got all these innovative ideas, you've got tactical problems, strategic problems. How do you balance where you deploy or execute innovation? Is it I got five fires my departments need to put out and we're going to find a, an AI tool in this department for that? Uh, or do you really focus on like a transformative macro level innovation to pivot the business or, or is it both? My answer is yes. Um, I mean, it's top down. Uh, I mean, it's 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 top down and it's bottom up. Um, so, you know, on some things, it's where do you have a lot of critical mass fo focus and key stakeholders that are engaged that want to move the needle? Um, so I think to, to pharmacy, uh, we have a chief pharmacy officer that's very engaged, brilliant, big picture, strategic visionary. And she really wants to disrupt how we do pharmacy care within within valid health. And so she's obviously a natural fit to be able to help structure, help with uh, building out performance and business plans, helping to reallocate her budget to ultimately apply towards it. Because if you don't have money, if you don't have a budget for it, you're not going to move it forward. On the larger strategic aspects like revenue diversification and everything else, so on the pharmacy side, you're kind of pulling on, on the other side, you're pushing. And so it's building the business plan, building the rationale, the justification to ultimately try to move something big forward. It's a lot more work, a lot more kind of building on our side. Now, all those aren't necessarily supported, but we go through um, our executive leadership team, sometimes even our innovation and strategy committee to ultimately adopt those big things. And these are multi-year, multi-million dollar projects that ultimately then are kind of disseminated down that we kind of own. So it's a little bit of both as we try to navigate that. And so it's a lot of just having the pulse on the organization, timing, playing some politics, kind of navigating that entire aspect. I don't know. what. Yeah, I mean, very similar. I, I, we think of it in, in really three buckets of, of where we focus innovation energy. 
you know, the first is where we've made strategic choices as an organization, you know, digital transformation, uh, you know, care management, population health. Uh, we tend to focus a good amount of energy on those strategic choices, which usually span, you know, four or five years of uh, strategic investment. Um, the second is really where we see breakthrough innovations happening outside of our four walls. Um, so I think artificial intelligence, you know, more specifically Gen AI, uh, as it evolved over the last 12 months, became a really important focus for us. We've been involved in AI for five years, right? But Gen AI is the uh, is kind of the the game changer, and, and how can we apply that in healthcare? And then the third is where where we have emerging needs, you know, kind of uh, strategic or not strategic, but tactical pain points and. I would use maybe as the best example of that is the nursing workforce shortage that, you know, kind of hit all of us, uh, but had such a, a really, uh, honestly, incredible impact on our ability to deliver care, particularly in the inpatient setting. And then I would I would echo what what uh, Bo said, which is, I think it also is about readiness of the business to change. And that is that's unequal, as it is in every organization in, in healthcare organizations. And you don't want to be wasting all your energy pushing against uh, uh, areas that aren't ready to change and, and where they don't have leaders that are ready to change. Thankfully, in this environment, that's less true. I think everybody is realizing the kind of transformation imperative. Um, but historically, I think it was important to do that change readiness assessment before we put too much energy into trying to innovate in a, in a big, broad area. Two questions come to mind. The first is what what is the responsibility, and I'm using that word intentionally, of uh, the the head of innovation at an at a health system? More than just your job description and what you do, but just that role and responsibility back to the organization. Yeah, you know, I, I see there's there's maybe a, a few fold ways of describing it. I mean, one, we have to be people that are thinking about what's next, right? Because there's there's lots of hospital operators and, and folks that are focused on today and tomorrow. We have to be spending some of our energy focusing on the day after tomorrow. And where is the puck going so that we can we can try to skate towards it? And and I think that that is that's easy in some cases. It's very hard in other cases to get the attention of those core business operators towards what's next um, because they're so focused on the today. So a big part of it is relationship in that. They have to trust that what we're we're talking about next uh, is something that that uh, could and should be supported and driven towards. Uh, it's about relationship for that change readiness and change management component. You know, drawing them along in that exploration before we have to execute against the uh, whatever it is that is next. You know, care in the home. I mean, you could you could name a hundred uh, different things like that. I also think that. Uh, part of our role is to stay connected to the outside in ways that allow for a broader perspective, um, even even cross industry, right? Um, and try to bring some of that into the pain points and challenges that healthcare faces, and use I, I think the best of the outside, the best of uh, you know venture activity and and working with uh, incredible innovators in uh, in early and growth stage companies, and then match that to the opportunities and challenges that exist on the ground uh, within our healthcare system. System, uh, to help drive towards that that better future I was talking about. I, I echo all of those comments, I, kind of impactful and as an example is, you know, when we started really venture, it was to um, financial ROI at the end of the day. But I, I think the one thing that we've really seen is the impact it can play to our strategy. So I've started to be invited to a lot more conversations, not because I necessarily always have the right idea, but I begin to shape how they think about where they're going. So again, as Bill said, skating to where the puck 
is going, not where it is. And so as we're thinking about certain strategies, always just saying, have we thought about X or Y? And so as, as you look at the landscape of venture in particular, wherever money is going, typically is where disruption is going to occur. Wherever our large revenue centers sit, in hospitals especially, is where disruption is going to occur. And so having the pulse on that, I think, is important. So that's, that's kind of my role from a strategic perspective, is to make sure that we're looking beyond kind of the, the now and even the near, but we're looking at the far. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to completely change our immediate strategy, but we might have to tweak it a little bit to think about what direction we're going to end up in five years. I would say the second thing, too, that I've started to witness that I've started to take on more personally is that culture change. For us, we've started we we, we became a organization that constantly looked at whether it be consultants or others to help solve our problems for us. We've now started to create that mentality of we can solve the problems for us. And then it might also shape and impact the industry. Yeah. No one knows the organization better than you do. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we, for, for the longest time, I would say when, when, not for the longest time, but when I first got into the organization, it was always this, you know, uh, we're in Appalachia and we're challenged with this, you know, socioeconomic status and, and, you know, poor health and, and all these different aspects. Now I actually look at that as a positive to say, there's a huge opportunity there. Who knows that better than we do? And so if you can be successful in this environment, if we can be successful in this environment, then this has applicability to a large, you know, majority of the country. It might not, you know, work in the inner city, but, you know, it can apply to various other aspects. And so it's it's really starting to see that culture change and have an amazing team that that is able to be able to have the pulse and touch on various aspects of the organization. And we've now started to have executives, you know, kind of seek us out to get more involved in addition to their day to day responsibilities because they want to think differently. They want to be challenged. They want to understand, okay, status quo is this. What else is coming? How can I help shape what the future of this organization and ultimately industry look like? And they want to be a part of the future. Yeah. Well, I had hoped this morning that I could kind of like mimic Travis Kelsey behind the mic on his podcast and invite Taylor Swift in to join us. But Taylor was otherwise occupied. Uh, So we reached out. She got a few things going on. What's going on? Yeah. I haven't seen her lately. I will have to ask <laughs> Travis. They may All be right. on a date. All right. Um, so I, I did reach out to Reese Witherspoon, All right. who's a local Nashville native and friend. Um, but she said she had someone better ah, to come join us this it. morning. Oh, excellent. And uh, so we've got a guest that's going to pop in and join us for a few minutes. Come on in and join us. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. No, I think it's no fantastic. Disappointment on this no, <laughs> not yeah. at all. Wow, what a tee up. Thank you for joining Man. us, Melinda. I'm going to turn beat red for that tee up. <laughs> there are so many people who are so disappointed at this point. No. Taylor, Reese, and it's just Melinda. No, I just think it's great. Melinda, Melinda t- tell us a little bit about who you are real quick, sure. and then we're going to jump into one or two more questions. Okay, great. Um, so Melinda Hancock, uh, Chief Transformation Officer for Sintera Health, and it's just a real pleasure to be here this morning. So thank you so much. I've only been in this role for about six months, only been at Sintera for about two years, um, and came there as the Chief Administrative Officer. So I was the inaugural Chief Administrative Officer, and now I'm the inaugural Chief Transformation Officer, so I think I'm on a trend here. 
Fantastic. Well, we are so glad to have you. Thank, Thank you. you. So we have been talking about innovation, the role of um, kind of innovation officers or, or heads of strategy, that type of thing. The question I want to lean into now in perfect timing is what does it mean in your organizations when you deploy an innovative initiative or transformative initiative and what are the obstacles and challenges you face? Well, I think first of all, you have to get past the, this is the way we've always done it. And, um, and really what we're discovering um, as we're deploying um, 800 initiatives right now is there's also some foundational work that you have to get done first and really think through what are the governance processes? Did you say 800 yes. initiatives? Yes. Wow. So we're deploying, um, it's just one or two more. Then. Just a <laughs> um, and in some cases you have to step back and really look at how do you get your work done? And do you have to work on that at the same time? As much as you're also trying to encourage the work, encourage the ideas, um, and really make sure that you're putting forth the new and great ideas that so many of our colleagues had. Um, and I did hear your, your wonderful, I completely agree with your comments, Bo, about um, we know ourselves really well. And so all these ideas came internally. And so we want to make sure that we're pushing those forward and making sure that we are giving life to these amazing ideas of how to be more consumer oriented and do better by our patients and members. But what we have discovered is sometimes we have to back up and really create a better foundation by which to build those initiatives on. So that's taking a whole lot more work and having to give ourselves a little bit more grace to get that work done to make sure we can then deliver. Agree with with those comments. I think from from our perspective, you look at all the strategic initiatives that we have. And so enterprise program management kind of manages that within our organization, that the strategy aspect of it. Innovation kind of sits, uh, I don't want to say on the sideline, but, you know, it's still linked, but sits differently. So innovation right now in our world is always kind of in addition to, it's not a part of. Mm -hmm. And so I come back to my previous comments of where do we have like engaged and key stakeholders um, that can really kind of lean in and are willing to kind of give that little bit extra to move forward. So so that's a little bit of a, a challenge that we're still working through the overall culture of. Separately is this idea as we try things, it's okay to fail. Um, for the longest time, the idea of fail and learn, fail and fail fast, like all of that is is relatively scary. Well, in, in the clinical world, it kind of, you got a lot of perfectionists, right. folks that yeah. were trained to do surgeries perfect or to care for patients perfectly. So that's, they're that's also a challenge in and of itself. But they're also scientists. And so it's funny because I, I, I have to kind of, step back and start to lean into that scientific aspect because as scientists you're always trying new things right and and developing and 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 so giving that focus really leaning in we i spend a lot of time with our teams to say okay if we're going to do this i need 30 days of intense dedication let's work through the charter the plan the data tracking let's map all of that out then we'll manage it you know, the innovation team can really manage it. We'll have steerco meetings where we debrief and report out and everything there. And we'll kind of work through that process um, and work through that process quickly. But making sure that we're quantifying ROI is very important to our organization. Majority of that time, that ROI is more directional because healthcare is so intertwined in data and everything. So it's hard to say, you know, that thing moved 
throughput or you know drove revenue or decreased costs, whatever the the objective may be. But so it's it's really working through those things. So those are the biggest challenges that that I face on a day to day basis. But it really comes back to that culture and that change. And I think what I heard is you've got folks every day who've got to show up and care for patients and operate the core. And then this thing called innovation is really hard work because I think most folks, when we use that word and throw it out, it's the fun. It's the you went somewhere, learned something new and it's not much work. But I think that's actually the opposite. Right. Yeah. Well, and you talk about sorry, I didn't mean it. You talk about the core as you look at a lot of health systems, financials are not that great. And so where is the focus, the attention of executive leadership and the board on the immediate? It's it's right now on stabilizing and maximizing that core. So from frontline all the way through the organization, it's, hey, we got to figure this thing out and, you know, improve efficiency, improve throughput, improve quality, improve experience, you know, all these things. And so then you say, oh, OK, well, that's great, but it's not always going to be this way. We need to think about changing. And they're like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Like, we're very focused here. And so that's a little bit of a challenge that I've encountered with <coughs> even peers and colleagues all across. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more with uh, what Melinda and Bo said. And, you know, foundationally, I think in healthcare, traditional healthcare organizations, we get in our own way to be agile. And uh, so these processes are really important. I mean, everything from capital deployment processes to you know how we make decisions in an IT perspective, et cetera, uh, are both, they have the potential to be you know enablers, but are too often, I think, barriers for, for healthcare organizations. So we're spending a lot of time kind of rationalizing that with ourselves of how do we once we make a strategic choice, be more agile in, uh, in implementing that. And I think the pandemic showed us what we could be if we were quick, right, and, and kind of transforming our organization. I don't think we're always going to be in that crisis mode of, of needing to change in weeks, but that's important. The, the other thing I would, I would note that I think is challenging, you know, we, we have a framework in innovation that we call explore, build, scale. Exploring and building is really easy. You know, finding new things to try and testing them and doing experiments at small scale across the organization, relatively easy, right? Scale is so hard. And it's because you have to do all of that change and all of that, uh, you know, kind of core business buy-in and making sure that the operators, because innovation doesn't operate and we have to have them coming with us through that transformation and innovation uh, and then operating it on the, on the other side. I feel like, again, during the pandemic, we got better at that. Uh, and I think we're trying to leverage, and I see others around the country trying to leverage that into doing scale better uh, for these transformation initiatives as we go forward. That's built on the back of ROI, which is difficult to measure, but that can't be an excuse. We have to know that what we're doing is working. Um, and that's the, I think that's the only way to know that that future is bright um, yes. that we're talking about, is making sure that we're actually delivering better care for our patients, better experience, uh, and more efficient care delivery to drive better margins for what are low margin kind of healthcare businesses. Well, we can definitely relate. And I think you all will remember some of this, but years ago, um, evidence care in its uh, infancy went through the innovation doors into many health systems. And I would say we batted about 50% because trying to go from an innovation into an operational buy-in to then scale is extremely difficult. Uh, we're very grateful now to be at that scaling phase 
our most recent client, we're rolling out 41 hospitals all at once. But that takes an immense accountability and alignment from the top down to the doctors on the floor, down to the IT departments. Maybe this will be the last question um, for the sake of time, but with all these initiatives, I mean, I can only imagine there's thousands of initiatives, let alone your 800 across all these organizations. How do you track those? Does anybody track them? Is there status reports or is it just kind of, we meet once a year and we see what stuck and what didn't? So yeah, we actually have a software that tracks the initiatives. So um, all the ones related to transformation. But I'll be honest with you, what we're struggling with right now is how do we then bring in the rest of the enterprise so that we have a full portfolio perspective so that we can understand across the enterprise everything that's going on. So, you know, our EPMO has their portfolios, which has, uh, you know, synergies and crossover with transformation. So what we're working on right now is will we use that software to bring everything in-house so that we have a full view. So we do sequencing against those initiatives so that we can make sure that if, you know, this one is dependent on this one, uh, which one needs to go first, if this one's delayed, what else gets delayed. So some of that is a bit manual right now, but the fact is that we have all 800 in um, for the transformation work for the strategic plan is in a single software that we can track the different stage gates and what's available. Um, But we need to make sure that we're also looking across the entire enterprise So that's our next step is to get a full portfolio management view so that we can make sure that we're taking that into account. Um, And so that's that's our next step. So the 800 is just the innovation transformation. But then there's thousands, if not more, day-to-day priorities, Mm -hmm. initiatives, resource prioritization. Things like that, that we need to make sure we have the full view. And we have the full view for certain portfolios. So it's not like we're starting from scratch. So that's what the work that's undergoing right now to make sure that as we move into the second year of our strategic plan, that we have that better view so that when we do our sequencing or if something happens because, you know, healthcare is boring, right? Nothing ever changes. So our, our ability to be agile, our ability to be dynamic with the industry and with things that change, that we can then have that portfolio view and say, okay, so if this changes, what's that ripple effect? And what happens to all the different values and ROIs and whatnot? So we can track that and what investments may need to change as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, similar to, to Melinda, what Melinda described there, there's a lot going on across the organization. You know, in, in organizations of our scale, it's it's very hard to get to the every single thing is in the same tool with the same description. Uh, I think we're going through a very deliberate business transformation effort right now. And I think that will help us to, uh, you know, list out the highest priority activities of what is going on and, and what may be opportunity that we don't see in front of us. I think we track projects very deliberately. Uh, the complexity is what's a project, right? And and so I know that's a que- I've asked that question for 25 years in my career. It's like at what scale is something a project versus uh, obviously we have an annual operating plan and, and things that are on there as well. Um, I, I think where we're getting really good is at understanding how these things fit into our five-year strategic plan, how they fit into our annual operating priorities, how those are, are sequenced is, is really important towards that future state that our five-year plan is pointing at. And then I think at the project level, it's really about, do we understand what we're trying to do, right? Do we understand the, the necessary, you know, kind of change management components and, and deliberate steps in that process? And can we actually prove the value? 
And, you know, I think we're on a journey. I don't think, I honestly, I don't think we're incredible at this. Uh, I actually have never seen an organization that is uh, in healthcare. So, uh, you know, I think we'll, we'll get better over time. And this focus on, on kind of transformation, I think will help us uh, in the coming years. Within innovation and venture, I feel like the team does it well. Outside the organization, it you know it starts to get challenging. So, from an uh, opportunity perspective, whether it be innovation or venture, we track through a CRM so that we can really start to utilize that data to actually understand and justify what we think we're seeing versus what the data is actually telling us we're seeing. You know, so are we seeing a lot of IT AI companies that are trying to figure out staffing. You know, we can actually extrapolate that from the opportunities that we've reviewed either in innovation and venture and actually start to say, hey, maybe something's going on here. So within that CRM component, that's kind of how we manage um, the, the opportunities and just ultimately deal flow within kind of the world of transformation, innovation, and venture. What I would like to do is expand that out within the system. And we have a few stakeholders that are more engaged with us that kind of communicate that so that we can track it and understand it. On the other side is we, we've got a, a PM platform that we utilize and what is a project is a, is, is a great question, Bill. Um, but as we have projects, and I'll put that in air quotes, that have charters, ultimately that ends up in the management system. And so we can start to track that through to understand what ROI and everything is. And then also that leads up into the program side of EPMO to make sure that those executives not only have their strategic priorities, but their innovation priorities all kind of neatly organized within the system and, and kind of cataloged and tracked through a dashboard. So that's how we do it. Again, I, I was was introduced to something last night. I got an email, hey, do you want to be included? Question mark. And reading through the email thread is absolutely uh, because I'm having very similar conversations with the same entity that's going up through managed care. And I'm having similar conversations on another side of that same organization. So it's not it's not healthcare, it's not health systems, it's it's everybody. Uh, this happens to be one of the non-traditional kind of and so it's it's funny that that all of this is going on. I think we're all kind of struggling with tracking it, but um, we're getting better. We're transforming, I think step, day by day, step by step, we're getting better every day. Back when I was uh, um, a hospital administrator, they didn't have these titles and roles. <laughs> and um, I think it's a sign of the times with um, health systems really leaning into the future. We're glad to have uh, all of you uh, on the front lines leading us to the future. I can only imagine that most operational and clinical folks kind of love you and hate you and your roles because they don't know what you do, but they know they need you and they need you to bring them into the future. And um, I don't, the, the first part is definitely true. I'm not sure that they sometimes, not all of them see they need you. I, I would, but yeah. So. I, I think when we read the headlines um, more and more, I think all of us who've been in the industry for a few decades know uh, we, we definitely need innovation in healthcare. Uh, 30% uh, of the $4.7 trillion of healthcare spending is nothing but uh, overhead and administrative costs because of the inefficiency. And we all know technology, AI, innovation is going to help reduce that. And that helps the whole country. And I know we'd all love to divert that money back into the people who care. So uh, I want to thank you all for being on the, the Better Care 
podcast. We wake up every day hoping to empower better care decisions. And I think the conversation today shows it's not just the clinician that is empowering better care, but it's everybody in the organization. And for the future, it's going to be these innovative initiatives in sync with our caregivers uh, that deliver better care. So thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your And thanks for the surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>